Welcome to Hollywood Obsessed with Tony Miros, a podcast that celebrates our endless fascination with the iconic people, locations, and history of the entertainment capital of the world. If you're as obsessed with Hollywood as Tony is, or would like to be, get ready to enjoy another exciting brand new episode of Hollywood Obsessed. Now, here's your host, Tony Miros. Hello, friends. This is your host, Tony Miro, speaking to you from the heart of Tinseltown. On this episode of Hollywood Obsessed, I'm beyond excited to be speaking with director Randall Kaiser, who's responsible for directing the film that ignited my lifelong obsession with Hollywood, the movie musical Grease. Originally from Pennsylvania, Randall attended film school at the University of Southern California. He began his career by directing several TV movies in the mid-1970s, including Dawn, Portrait of a Teenage Runaway, The Boy in the Plastic Bubble with John Travolta, and the Emmy Award-winning film The Gathering, starring Ed Asner and Maureen Stapleton. His big break came when he was hired to direct his first feature film, the 1978 blockbuster movie Grease, which became the highest-grossing film musical at the time. He followed the success of Grease by directing several more feature films, including The Blue Lagoon with Brooke Shields and Christopher Atkins, Summer Lovers with Daryl Hannah, Grand View USA with Patrick Swayze, the sci-fi adventure Flight of the Navigator, Big Top Pee Wee, and Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. In 1996, he wrote and directed It's My Party with Gregory Harrison and Marley Maitland, and he directed the thriller Shadow of Doubt with Melanie Griffith. In 2019, he wrote and directed the virtual reality series Defrost, featuring Carl Weathers and Harry Hamlin, which was shown at the Sundance Film Festival and the Cannes Film Festival. That same year, his first book was published by HarperCollins, Grease, the Director's Notebook, a retrospective look at the making of his first feature film, and his latest book, Drawing Directors, Volume 1, which was just released features a collection of sketches of some of his favorite fellow directors with anecdotes about them and his personal opinion about their work. And now he's here with me today to tell me all about it. So let's not waste any more time and get this conversation started. Hello, Randall. Thanks so much for being my guest on Hollywood Obsessed. Thanks, Tony. Uh, Nice to meet you. I, I heard a lot about you from Barry Pearl, my good friend. I love Barry Pearl. I mean, he's so much fun. He's funny and he's a great guy. And 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 I am, I'm also friends with Lorenzo Lamas, who he's such a gem. And I know that you all of you are like family in that cast. And, and Greece is just such a special, special movie. I am. I, I was trying to tell you at the beginning before we got on that I'm so happy that you're my guest on this show. I have to tell you, it's all your fault, Randall, that for the, my lifelong obsession with Hollywood, because Greece. Wow. is the thing that sparked it all. When it came out in theaters, I was 10. And the first time I saw it, I just couldn't get enough. I made my mother take me back to see that movie like 10 times that summer. Oh, and I bought wow. the posters and the magazines and the trading cards and the book and the double album soundtrack. My birthday party, just so you know, for that August, I made all my friends and cousins and everybody dress up in Greece-themed costumes because it was going to be a 50s Greece birthday party so thank you so much for making my life so filled with excitement and joy from your film i know what it's like when you're 10 years old and you see a movie that really hits you because for me it was the 10 commandments i saw that when i was 10 and i i I saw cecil b the mill come out from behind the curtain and talk to the audience and i thought who's this guy and then i realized that he's the man who made the movie and then i thought well gee i want to do that too i want to open the red sea i want to have you know, big music and I mean, great stories. And 
So that's what started me out of my career. Well, I want you to explain to people, you know, because when you say he's a director, he's a director, he does, he's directed the film, people get confused. They think that you just tell them where to go in a scene. So can you explain for the listeners what a director does so that there's no confusion? Well, I mean, you you sort of try to do all the creative um, choices to tell the story. You know, you have to come up with a, a story in three sentences. You have to come with a moral. You have to figure out where where the actors walk, how they talk, how they how they what the emotions are, where the camera is, how the camera moves, how mm-hmm. the editing is done. It's it's the whole creative process behind the movie making is really under the director's uh, purview. And that's why, you know, a really good director um, is someone that uh, I, I respect. I mean, my book, Drawing Directors, is all about all the directors that I respect and have looked at and admired their work. So, you know, it's, it's something as a director myself, I, I look at movies a different way than most people because I analyze every little bit of it. And I'm so impressed by some work by some people. It, it really it is a huge undertaking being a director. I've worked with directors and you see how much is in that. What is your process? Let's say for for the film Grease, you'd never done a movie musical before in your life. What how would how did you take that on? How did you kind of figure out how to make that whole thing happen for you? Well, I had Pat Birch, who had done the choreography of the Broadway hit Grease. This was a big hit on Broadway before I even got involved. And I had the cameraman from Jaws, uh, Bill Butler. So, you know, I had uh, a really good team. And Alan Carr, the great showman, uh, who, you know, there's nobody better than him to get attention brought to a project. (laughs) uh, So that combo was really, really wonderful. And, of course, John and Olivia were um, like lightning in a bottle. So and and we had great songwriters. Everything just came together in in a great way. Talking about Alan Carr, I'm actually reading a book about him at the moment. My God, that man was so colorful. What was he like in real life? Was he just as extravagant and eccentric as as, as I can read about him? Yes, yes, he was. And uh, but he was very smart too, uh, very savvy. Uh, he had came up with great ideas, and uh, some of them were over the top and had to be tamped down a little bit. But uh, <laughs> I do remember one incident with him, which was. He had made a deal with um, Pepsi Cola because uh-huh. after the movie came out, he was going to have a big promotion with Pepsi presents Greece and all that and all these posters and everything. And when we yeah. shot the, the Frosty Palace, the, the prop man put uh, put uh, Coke Coke uh, posters Time. everywhere. And when Alan saw that in the dailies, he went absolutely nuts. <laughs> he was getting millions of dollars from Pepsi, so we had to go back and 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 put. Uh, very low-tech um, special effects to cover up the, the Coke signs. Right, because I remember the scene with Olivia and Lorenzo sitting in the booth, and above them was this, like, fuzzy painting. And I never knew what it was either. It was funny. It was because it was a Coke thing. When, right? we, did, when we went back to do the uh, the 40th, uh, 40th anniversary print, I went mm-hmm. back in there and I put the Pepsi back for, 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 uh, for Alan, even though he's gone, I... I did that as a tribute to him to go back and, and fix that mistake. I love that. I love that. Now, you, this was not the first time you worked with John Travolta. It, right, you had done The Boy in the Plastic Bubble. Absolutely, yes. And uh, John had been like a big star in Welcome Back, Cotter. And this was the first time he was 
being a, a leading man. So he was, uh, you know, very excited by that idea. Right. And uh, so, you know, it was, it was, and then he met his, uh, the woman who played his mother, he ended up having an affair with and having him as a girlfriend. Right. I actually saw the film last yesterday. I watched oh. it again because I'd seen it back when I was younger, but I watched it again because I was like, I don't remember that film very well. It uh, Did I read correctly? Did it only take you 14 days to shoot that movie? That's true. That's the way it was back then. <gasps> How did you do that? Did you sleep? <laughs> well, I, I come from, I came from episodic television where we had six days to do an hour show. And uh-huh. so I got training of how to how to shortcut and how to do things fast and how to come in on time and on budget. Because I realized as a beginning director, if you if you don't come in on time and on budget on your first project, you'll never work again. So I was obsessed with that. And right. I learned all kinds of tricks on my very, very first <clears throat> my very, very first show at Universal. Um, I found a way, you know, they they shot for I think it was five days on the lot and one day on location. And I, I devised a way to shoot the whole thing on the lot to save the money of going on location. So I came in $10,000 under budget and became a hero. So that's that how was I- all shot on the lot. Like the, the horse thing with the, with the, the lake and all no, that no, was. I'm talking about Marcus Welby MD. That, oh, that, oh, oh, I'm sorry. That okay. was where I learned to make, okay. make I got uh, it. compromises and, and shoot fast. Got it. Well, I'm as, I was impressed. I was like, wow. And now that's become a part of the American zeitgeist and lexicon, the boy in the in the bubble, plastic bubble. Like, I guess. I, you know, because Seinfeld did the whole thing, the bubble boy thing. I'm like, how do you feel about that? Are you surprised that that movie is endured? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, it, it's all because of John. You know, he was uh, so charismatic in it. Yeah. And uh, it was so different from Vinny Barbarino. You know, he Vinny yeah. Barbarino was this, you know, well, you know, he was fast talking crazy you know bronx accent kind of guy or Brooklyn, yeah. i guess it was and um uh, and then boy in the plastic bubble was this very vulnerable young man who was you know stuck in that horrible situation and wanted to get out yeah no it was great it was i really enjoyed it i truly did so uh, it was great to look back and people should look back at it um now the the musical Grease had been running already for seven years before the movie came out. Right. Had you seen it prior to getting the the job? No, uh, would not. Alan, Alan Carr flew me to Chicago to see it, mm-hmm. uh, and and a bus and truck company, and uh, that's where I first saw it. And it was um, it was really uh, eye opening. I mean, I I remember watching Summer Nights, and and I, it became clear to me how to shoot that because. The boys were on the, the stage right and the girls were on stage left. And yeah. it was clear, you know, okay, we'll shoot them and cut back and forth. And at the end, we'll have a split screen. So that was one that was really easy to figure out. And the others, you know, required some more effort to, to uh, analyze. Right. I heard that you had met with Robert Weiss, right? From Sound of Music and West Side Story to get advice from him about it? Yes, he was a, a real wonderful mentor of mine uh, because I... He came down to USC film school and, and when he did, I, I met him. And so he was very helpful and he, he uh, you know, gave me his print of West Side Story. And we ran that uh, and came up with the cutting pattern for Summer Nights from the Sharks and the Jets. You know, that, that the song Tonight, we used that idea of cutting back and forth from the Sharks to the Jets. 
we did that with uh, John and Olivia. Two of my favorite musical movie musicals, West Side Story and Grease. And it's I never knew that there had been that connection. And that's that's amazing. I'm I'm so happy that he let you see that because I love Summer Nights. I think Summer Nights is such a it really brings you into the movie. Like you're really getting into it, but when that number comes, that's the one that you just grabs you and you're like, I'm I'm in for the ride. Well, Robert was, Wise was very, very helpful to me in my career. He he also looked at one of my student films and uh, took me to Universal and, and screened it and then took me to lunch and talked about it. And he, he appears in my book. I did draw him once for, for the book Drawing Directors. And um, so he's, a, he's one of my heroes. Love him. Um, people always hear the term creative differences when it comes to actors and movies and how do you handle now creative differences could be a different lot a lot a lot of things when 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 you're hand how do you handle an actor on the set like if they're in a bad mood or they've just had a bad moment how do you handle things like that slap them around <laughs> i don't know um you know you have to be a psychologist and a father figure and a, a, a an analyst a, a friend you have to figure out what is it that they need yeah, and uh, I, I learned so much about working with actors from my my teacher Nina Fosh, who's an actress in the Ten Commandments and Spartacus mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. American in Paris, and she taught for forty years at USC and AFI, and she was one of my teachers, and and she taught George Lucas and many other other directors, and um, we made a, a a video of her class, uh, which is on Amazon. Uh, called the Nina Fosh Course for Filmmakers and Actors. Mm. I highly recommend that for anybody who is an actor or a filmmaker because it, it condenses this whole semester of the top USC professor into four hours, and it's, it's available on Amazon. I love that. Oh, I'm going to definitely watch that. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to put a link of that on your, because uh, I make a little bio with everything about you Great. when you do, I'll put the, I'll put the I'm link. I'm so proud of that. I think it's one of the best things I've, I've done was to capture her teachings. Yeah. Was this the first time you'd used Panavision to shoot a film, Grease? Yeah. And up until then, I just worked on the square box that was to be. <laughs> today, today, the televisions are sort of like a little bit closer to television but back in the day when i started it was a, just a total box it's not wide at all so yeah. you know i had gotten used to framing at each scene in a box and suddenly it was in this long envelope and so that was exciting because i i love that format it's it's, it's much more the way the eyes the human eye sees yeah but uh it requires an adjustment for in terms of uh how you frame things well, I love, I mean, it makes the, it really that it makes the huge, that huge, the musical numbers amazing to watch. And, and then, then it's so sharp and colorful. I love that you, that cinematographer of yours was just amazing the way he, he, he got it all there. Was well, it hard? Well, Bill Butler came up with the uh, idea of doing it like uh, bright, sharp colors. You know, he had not really shot any movie like that. He, you know, he did Jaws and did the conversation. He, he did many, many movies, but this was the one that he did like pop art almost, you know, just bright, bright, bright colors. Yeah. And the cast, my God, the chemistry this cast had. Is it because most of them had been, well, a lot of them had been in the, in the, in the stage version of Greece? Absolutely. And that, that was so helpful to me 
as a director because they had been on stage for, for months and knew where every laugh was and how to play it because the audience had given them feedback. And mm -hmm. so they, they guided me a lot. I mean, I didn't have to do much with a lot of them because they, they just were on, on uh, automatic play, you know? Yeah. I want to tell listeners to also get your book, Grease, the director's notebook, which by the way, Randall, I absolutely adore this film book because it's unlike any other book you can get. It has photos of you on set. It talks about the script. It has the script and then anything that was added, any kind of dialogue that was added by the actors is in here, the dancers, the costumes. I mean, this is, this is amazing what you did. How long did it take you to do this? That was about a year. You know, I, I saw Francis Coppola's uh, Godfather notebook, and I, I looked at that, and I saw that he took down his, from his attic all his stuff from Godfather, and I thought, hey, I, I should go up in my attic. So I did. I went up there, pulled down everything, and spent a year putting it all together. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, pretty, uh, it's pretty detailed. And one of the most interesting things is to see um, the things that we didn't shoot, you know, a lot of the a lot of the dialogue that was in there um, that just would not have worked, and so I think one of my biggest um, contributions to to doing the movie was cutting out things that didn't work, and you can yeah. sort of see that in the, in the in the script where everything's crossed out, and then you see what's left and what was added. Like for instance, when uh, Olivia meets John at the end, I think there's a whole bunch of dialogue about uh, oh wow you've changed a lot and everything. And, uh, oh, you look different. And, and Olivia said, why don't I just say, tell me about it, stud? I said, great, let's do that. <laughs> and that's a classic line. And it just came up out of nowhere. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, the same thing with Rizzo. I mean, Stalker Channing came up with so many. How did you not, like, were these... Were they, were they just like, they seemed like they were so filled with energy. Were you just like kind of trying, just all this creativity around you? I mean, you must have been... Uh, beyond uh, this must have been a dream come true for you yeah well, well it was like a big party the whole summer because everybody loved the, the project Greece and everybody wanted to be in it and especially the actors who had done it on Broadway and uh, I was thrilled to be able to include them because they were, were, were it was really something they wanted very 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 badly and so there was all that energy on the set and even the extras wanted to be in it and so you know, if you look at the last scene, we go together in the hot football field, which was like 110 that day. Oh, you know, God. Leather, leather outfits and stuff. And they pour themselves into it. Uh, if you even look in the background, you can see everybody is giving it their 100%, you know. And no one's slacking off during that number. And it was really, really hard because they had to dance the length of a football field to that song. Yeah, and not only you also had the carnival going. And that was a. You must have felt like you were in a circus, Randall. It was like a circus. Yes, it was fun though. <laughs> I want to talk about um, the location because uh, yeah, so many people are like, oh, I've seen the, I've seen where they filmed Greece. It's this high school. No, it's this high school. There were three locations for Rydell High, right? That's right. And the reason for that is the football coach at Venice High didn't want us there and he kept turning on the sprinklers and so finally we said okay we're leaving how mean <laughs> well yeah it was it was tough because we had to find two other high schools right 
so the, so the, 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 the main one was the one on Venice, right? Venice high school was the main one. That was the outside and the, and the summer nights one. And then, yeah. and then what was it? John Marshall was the last one, the back, the, the, was, the yeah, field. And then the, the, the inside the uh, dance contest was at um, Huntington Park high school. Huntington Park, right. Okay. I would have done it all in Venice if that hadn't been for that coach. <laughs> well, it looks great. It doesn't You don't even know that it's three different schools. I mean, if you really look, look, because I've gone actually to the three schools to look at them. Um, and, the, you know, you can tell, oh, yeah, okay, this is, this is well, one, not the one. One has brick and one has, uh, right. you, know, <laughs> you know, I mean, it doesn't really match, but the whole movie is a fantasy, so it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, exactly. And as far as like the casting was concerned, it's so funny because I was looking through that book and I was noticing that there were different suggestions. Right. So Alan Carr wanted Harry Reams from Deep Throat as the coach. Yeah, yeah he did. He uh, and what happened was uh, he was put down by um, by Paramount. They said, no way we're going to have a porn star in this movie. So he was forced to uh, give up uh, Harry and but he paid him five thousand out of his own pocket uh, as a consolation prize. Oh well, that was nice of him. Yeah. He did. He also want Andy Warhol to play the art teacher. Well, um, that I do not remember talking about that. That would have been a great idea. I, I, uh, I don't think we had an art teacher in the movie. <laughs> no, that you didn't actually. There's all all kinds of stories and, and thoughts going around at a thousand miles an hour. So right, it's quite positive. Well, I do know that you had had Stephen Ford was going to play Tom Chisholm right before Lorenzo. That's true. Yes. What was Stephen Ford like? I mean, the president's son, you were going to put him in a major motion picture. Well, I think we had a sock hop at the beginning that Pat did to see how people could, um, who could dance and who couldn't. And I think he was freaked out because what she wanted, everybody got in a circle and she put she would point to somebody and have to jump in the middle of the circle and dance so she could see how good they were. Right. And he kind of freaked out, I think. I think that's what happened. <laughs> but he wasn't there the next day. <laughs> so how did Lorenzo come in to replace him? I think Alan knew uh, Lorenzo's mother, Arlene Dahl, and um, they were at a party or something, and, and yeah. uh, she introduced him, and, and Alan thought, wow, we need a guy, and he's perfect. So that's, that's how that came about. And I was just in um, San Antonio with the cast uh, last weekend, two weekends ago, and Lorenzo was uh, telling us that story. And uh, he he was he was so much fun because he was imitating his dad, Lorenzo Lamas. I mean, uh, Frank, Fernando, uh, yeah, Fernando Lamas, talking about Billy Crystal doing the. It was we had just such a great time. You're right. When we get together, it's like a, a high school reunion every time we get together. It's true. Barry tells me all the time. He's like, we're like family. All these years later, we're like family. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're going to go to, uh, I think next we go to uh, Edinburgh in, in October for our wow. appearance there. That's exciting. Does it ever surprise you? That, you know, you did this film and it was a great film. And you did, did you ever think it was going to have the success it had, Randall? Nobody did because uh, at the time we were treated like third-class citizens um the studio had other other movies they thought were going to be the hits and uh so you know we were left alone which was great you know yeah no that's good they, they didn't have to you didn't have to be bothered by them i guess <laughs> i also heard from barry that you guys had done a um 
a full-on rehearsal in front of the execs before you started filming? Is that right? Yeah, we 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 did uh, in one of the sound stages. We we did the musical. I think it was the musical numbers only. I didn't think it was the whole thing, but just but all, we, we we had been rehearsing for five weeks, and so we put on a kind of like a camp show. That's that must have been fun. I'm sure the execs were like, "Wow, look at these kids." <laughs> Yeah, I guess they that, that might have been another reason why they left us alone, because they knew that it was working. <laughs> yeah, that's a smart thing. They knew you were working. Um, and then the other, I mean, I love the fact that you guys brought in such luminary stars, such as Eve Arden and Dodie wow. Goodman and Sid Caesar. What was it like for you? Because I know that you, I'm sure, idolized these people. What was it? What, how did you direct them? Like, were you nervous about directing these legends? No, because they're such professionals, and uh, I had so much respect for them. I mean, I grew up watching Eve Arden on Our Miss Brooks as a kid. I, every week I'd see her on that, and Sid Caesar on the show of shows, and um, Dodie Goodman on the Gary Moore show. So all these people were people I grew up watching on TV, and, and they're, they're all such professionals that I didn't have to do much except just say action, and they would do it all. Oh, great. Eve Arden. I mean, she was in Mildred Pierce. Yeah. And she was exactly the way you imagined her, the way Olivia was. She was exactly the way you imagined her. The, her personality on screen and, and the off screen was exactly the same. Those two, Olivia and Eve. Wow. And it, oh, it was funny. I watched Greece again last night. I've watched it. I watched that hundreds of times. And, and, uh, and I watched the one with you, the commentary with you and, and um, Pat Birch talking. And I did not notice that Ed um, Burns had done a backflip at the at the school dance contest. I didn't know that until I saw last night. I watched and then I heard the commentary. It's like, wait, he does a backflip. And I saw it. I couldn't believe it. Not only does he do a black backflip at the end of the, the song, but he also catches a microphone when he lands and does a, a line. So he was, he was flipping, landing, grabbing the mic and doing a line. So, I mean, it's extraordinary. And if he had screwed up, we would have had to shoot the whole scene again. Honestly, I was like, how did he do that? He was wearing shoes, not sneakers. And it was like that, that polished floor in a gym. I was like, I, I don't know how he did it. It was a miracle. Don't know. Yeah, I just don't know. And also, I did not know that you, when you were in USC, you did extra work on Elvis Presley movies. Yeah, that's true. What was that like? Well, it was great. I mean, he was very friendly and he would say hi to the extras when he he recognized them because I did four movies with him. And um, so, yeah. And then I did. One of my teachers at USC was Norman Torog, who directed the movie, um, let's see, it was an Elvis Presley movie called Double Trouble, uh-huh. opening opening uh, musical um, number that Elvis does on stage. Uh, he, he comes and grabs my date and pulls her up on stage and dances with her, and then he returns it to me. So I have a little silent bit in an Elvis movie. Oh, wonderful. And so when you were shooting Greece, did any of that come back to you? Were you kind of like, wow, this is kind of bizarre. <laughs> like I worked with Elvis and here we're, we're singing about Elvis. Yeah. And strangely, the day that we shot the, the, the slumber party sequence where Stockard is singing to Elvis on, you know, there's a picture of Elvis on the, on the wall and she's singing Elvis, keep that pelvis far from me. 
that was the day that Elvis had died. Oh, wow. That we shot that. That's amazing. Wow. I mean, uh, this film, it just keeps giving and giving, honestly, because I have watched it. I at least watch it once a year. And every time I see it, there's something new. What you guys achieved, it still resonates. I know my grand, my, not my grand, I don't have a grand. I have a niece. <laughs> my niece and I bonded over Greece, and she was like a little girl when she saw it. But there's a lot of things in there that kids don't see they kind of goes over their heads there's a lot of innuendo going on in there um is that amazing to you well uh whenever i speak with film students i i ask them if they saw anything new in the movie when we run it and they all raise their hand because they saw those kids and and now they, all the stuff went over their heads and now they they catch it it's, it's, it's amazing it really is slip <laughs> Yeah, like when it breaks, when she goes, it broke? And he's like, it broke. I bought it in seventh grade. We don't know what that means. No, we don't. Yeah. Until you're older and you're like, oh, it broke. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when you were doing, I know that the play was a lot raunchier than the than the, the movie, right? right. Uh-huh. Did you have to kind of curb them when they were improvising? Because you knew that this was going to be kind of more like a family movie? or did No, you we tried to just hide it all. We tried to make it really uh, subtle. Mm-hmm. Like, like you pointed out, um, and uh, you know it worked because most kids did everything went right over their heads. Yeah, the hot dog jumping in the bun, you know, at uh, the driving <laughs> was something that children don't get that at all. Yeah, all that stuff. Thanks for listening to part one of my conversation with director Randall Kleiser. On the next episode of Hollywood Obsessed, my conversation with Randall continues as we discuss his experience working with choreographer Pat Birch on all the musical numbers in Greece, the issues they had to overcome to film Olivia Newton-John's Hopelessly Devoted to You, directing the legendary Frankie Avalon and Beauty School Dropout, and his memories of filming The Blue Lagoon in Fiji with Christopher Atkins and Brooke Shields. All that and more on the next episode of Hollywood Obsessed. This is your host, Tony Miros. See you next time. Thanks for joining us this week on Hollywood Obsessed. Make sure to visit our Facebook page, Hollywood Obsessed Podcast, where you can subscribe to the show so you'll never miss a single episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Be sure to tune in every other Monday for our next episode. That's a wrap.